You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Deborah King, a licensed clinical social worker and an elder care coordinator at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we are talking about how to combat frailty. Joining me for the conversation is Baylor Ophianan, who is the Director of Rehabilitation at Advanced Healthcare of Nashville. Welcome, Baylor. Thank you, Deborah. So let's just start out and, and help us understand and define what is frailty. Yeah, so frailty is a geriatric syndrome. And it can be defined as an impairment in mobility, balance, muscle strength, cognition, nutrition, and or physical activity. So it's actually a very broad definition. Um, we can identify frailty using what's called the fried phenotype. So this makes it a little bit more measurable for us. Um, so this criterion that measures frailty includes uh, five aspects. So weakness as measured by grip strength, a slowness of walking, low physical activity, self-reported exhaustion, and unintentional weight loss. So if someone is exhibiting all five of those criteria, they can be categorized as frail, um, but you actually only have to show three of the five to fall into that frail category. Um, so it really is, it's a very complex geriatric syndrome, um, and it can be hard to identify if you're not looking for the right things. That's really interesting. Is frailty inevitable with age? Are we all going to no. be frail? No, no. Um, thank goodness it is not a normal part I mean, it should not be thought of as inevitable. Um, I think that there is a, a misunderstanding in the community that when you get old, you become frail and it's just accepted. Um, but absolutely, it is, it's not normal and there are, are things we can do to combat frailty and prevent it. Okay. Um, what are some of the demographics or criteria that would make someone susceptible to frailty? Yeah, so frailty does tend to affect affect people who are older. Um, it can affect women more often than men. Um, women tend to also have a longer lifespan than men, so um, that might play into the reason why we see more frail women. Um, it also can affect individuals living alone or persons with a lower level of education. But that said, Frailty can impact people at any age, so it's not exclusively seen in the older population. Um, you might see this in a younger person who has been uh, going through chemotherapy um, or have been you know, recently diagnosed with a disease that's limiting their, their physical activity. Um, you can fall into this early in life. Um, but the, the later and later in life we can push frailty, um, if it, you know, it does happen, it's better to happen as, as late in life as possible 
so that you can maintain that health span for as long as you can. So just because you're 85 doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be frail. Correct. Um, I know a lot of really resilient uh, 85-year-old men and women who are nowhere near frailty. What would be some of the early signs that um, an individual or a professional should look for with frailty? So if we look back at that criteria, um, that's really where we can focus our attention. So um, if somebody is demonstrating one or two of those signs, so maybe, you know, they they feel like they're tired more often and they're walking slowly, but, you know, they, they're still strong, um, you know, they're still as active as they can be and they haven't lost any weight, they wouldn't be considered frail. They'd be considered pre-frail. Um, so first meeting two or one or two of those criteria would be the first red flag. We'd say, hey, this person's on that that slippery slope towards frailty, um, but they're not there yet. So like, let's add some interventions and let's address this now. Um, the other thing is, is that you can be trending towards meeting the criteria um, without actually, you know, qualifying to, you know, meet that grip strength weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times as a physical therapist, we'll see people who report that they're walking slower or family members will actually recognize it first. So maybe you're walking with mom or grandma and you notice they're not really able to keep up as well as they used to. Um, so decreased walking speed is a lot of times the first thing that we'll recognize. Um, usually with that, the people will report they're being a little bit more tired or you know, maybe they're participating less in physical activity. I think COVID really brought this out in a lot of older individuals because they weren't getting out in the community as much. They Mm -hmm. weren't getting as much exercise and doing those day-to-day activities that required a lot of energy expenditure, say going grocery shopping. And then family came to visit them after, you know, a few months or maybe a year, depending on how long it took until you're able to see your loved one. And then they notice, wow, it's, it's harder for the, that person to walk with me uh, down the street um, or they mm-hmm. look like they're moving slower or they're more tired. So anytime you see that, you know, go visit the, your GP. You can seek a physical therapist um, and start to address those signs right away. So it, it would be pretty easy to identify with the slowness, um, someone walking into your office and they're walking slower than normal and they sit down and say, oh, I'm just tired all the time. I can't do as much as I used to. You know, it takes me forever to vacuum. Um, that's not just normal aging. Right. Exactly. And when you identify one or two of those signs right away, Uh, You can address it and get right back on track so you can be more resilient. Uh, One of the best tests just out in the world you can do is can you cross a street in time? Can when it turns green, walk across the street before the light turns red? And if you can't, then you're walking too slow. Okay. Okay. That makes me think of a Frankie and Grace episode, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) So, so 
so I'm moving a little slower and I'm tired all the time. Do I just need to get more sleep? What's the intervention? So there are a lot of different interventions um, and they're really important because frailty is associated with an increased risk of negative health outcomes and early hospital readmission, especially if you've been, say, in a skilled nursing facility or a rehab facility. Um, and so if we, we look at the signs or the criteria, a lot of them have to do with physical activity. Um, so if we move we can get better. So movement is medicine. Um, there is a really great paper published by um, Chen and colleagues in 2014. And the quote in it says, to date, exercise is the intervention that has most consistently shown benefit in treating frailty. And it seems so simple to me that we can increase exercise and we can decrease risk of frailty. So physical activity, um, strength training, the older adult can lift weights, they can strength train, and that is going to be one of the best ways to combat frailty. If we, again, look back at that criteria, exercise directly addresses three of the five. So mm -hmm. exercise will directly address low physical activity, slowness of gait, and weakness. So if you can move from being frail to being pre-frail with just exercise. We can pretty much reverse the effects of, of frailty on an individual. That's amazing because there's not a lot of things that you can do with that. So how much exercise do I need? The 30 minutes a day that's recommended or? Yeah, so that's going to vary person to person. Um, and that's where going to a qualified health care professional, a physical therapist, occupational therapist, or even a personal trainer who has a specialty in geriatric exercise will be important because not everyone's going to tolerate the same amount of exercise. Some of the research has shown that even one set of uh, weight exercise, so for, for example, um, let's take bicep curls, if you pick the right weight, you can do one set to fatigue of that exercise and get strength benefits from it. And that can be a better intervention for the older adult because we'll reduce the risk of an overuse injury. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not a one size fits all 30 minutes of exercise a day and you won't be frail. Um, it really does need to be tailored towards what that patient needs, where they're showing weakness. Um, it might be leg weakness in some in one person, and it might be you know poor cardiovascular endurance in another person. Um, so, really, I think the gym um, and going to exercise classes is looked at as something that younger people participate in. Um, but there's definitely a, a place and a space for the older adult to be participating in. Um, gym style exercises or classes, but with somebody who's qualified to treat the older adult. Okay. Well, that that's just so, so interesting. Um, you mentioned it briefly. Um, what are the effects if frailty isn't addressed? Yeah. So if we don't address frailty, then the individual continues to decline. So unfortunately, 
with frailty, the body becomes less resilient to stressors. So if you get sick again, then your body's not able to recover as well um, than a person who's not frail. So uh, eventually it will lead to not being able to care for yourself, um, not being able to recover from being sick and in the end, death. It starts kind of starts that circle that we often see of hospital to rehab to home to hospital to rehab to home kind of thing. Um, exactly, and we see this, to that. Yeah, and we can we can see this a lot um, after a fall. So you know, working in skilled nursing, I think that's one of the most frequent offenders of this decline into frailty and then failure is. You know, an individual has a fall, you know, maybe they break their hip, uh, they go to the hospital, they do surgery, they go to rehab. But in rehab, you know, maybe they aren't eating as much. Um, They're really tired. They're on a lot of medications and it restricts them from being able to get up and exercise as much. And then they're losing weight and then they discharge home and the, the, the decline continues um, until they're not able to sustain life any longer. Well, they're not moving as much either because they're afraid of falling again. How often do you hear that? All the time. All so, the time. So that you know, goes back to that movement is medicine. The fall caused them to not move. They may have restrictions in their rehab as to what they can do, but they stop moving. They're not eating as much, all of those things that you said, and then they're afraid of falling again. So they just sit there till they have to get up and starts that cycle. I think that's what I found was so interesting about this. One, that you could characterize frailty as as a syndrome, as a, a group of... Um, a, a group of symptoms that cause a certain condition, but that the prescription is so simple, is so, you know, number one, being aware of it, identifying it early, and then just helping them get the movement, the exercise, the increase in strength um, to try and bring them back. I, I guess there's people, like we discussed, the chemotherapy patients that may not bounce back as quickly, but at least, like you said, working to get them from maybe three symptoms to one or two symptoms and continuing to work on that. that That's what impressed me with this whole concept. So I so appreciate your sharing. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about frailty? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest reasons we need to educate about frailty and address frailty is that it because it's preventable and it's reversible. And so I think that's what people may not understand is that you can prevent it, but maybe you haven't been able to, and you've fallen into that frail category that it, it is reversible and it takes hard work. There's no doubt about that. Um, but with, you know, the right people in your corner helping you, helping you rehab and get back to having an independent and a high quality of life, you can bring someone out of that frail category, which then gives them a longer health span, a better quality of life, and can people can remain independent for longer. And that's 
what I tend to hear the most in skilled nursing is that people want to maintain their independence and, you know, we can help our older population do that. Um, and we really need to get it out in the community that, you know, people are at risk for frailty, but we can prevent it and we can reverse it. Thank you so much for sharing today. Um, it has been educational for me and I hope for our listeners as well. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. That's it for today's episode. Uh, Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 